Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Outreach. That's Outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, Outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Xvoyant today. The Xvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Xvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by a legend, Ralph Barcy, VP of Global Inside Sales for Trade.io. Now, Ralph is no stranger to our show. He was one of our first five guests and still has one of our most listened to episodes of all time. If you've been in the sales game for long, you know who Ralph is and you're excited he's on our show today. Ralph's one of my all-time favorite sales leaders. I've been itching to get him back on the show since we had him the first time. And with him recently joining Trey, I thought the timing was perfect. If you know Ralph, you want me to shut up and let him talk. If you don't know Ralph, I promise you, you are in for a treat. Ralph, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us on this unplugged edition, baby. I love you, Rob. It's so good to be back, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm really good. Happy new decade to you, right? Yeah, same to you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. It's a huge honor to be back. So I want to make sure that we get this disclaimer out. You know, Ralph and I did not go through a, a preparation for this show like I do with many of them. Ralph and I go way back. We have a good history. I dropped the topic on him last night, uh, I don't know, late when I was coaching a basketball game, but I wanted it to be unplugged and very natural because we're going to talk about Ralph. I think a really important topic today, right? Yes, absolutely. And and so I want you to introduce yourself. Let's start, introduce yourself, introduce Trey. How do you get started in sales? You know, let's, let's, let's either make it playful or real. Why don't you talk about that too? Yeah, sure. So uh, that refers to this jujitsu coin I've been uh, using a lot recently and it was produced by, Henner and Huron Gracie of the Gracie family. And uh, it's a pretty dense coin. I actually have it with me. And on one side of the coin, it says, keep it real. And on the other side of the coin, it says, keep it playful. And it's used for sparring in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, when you're about to go against an opponent during a training session, you know, you flip that coin. Are you going to keep it real and, and, you know, really work your technique? Or are you going to keep it playful and kind of focus on establishing flow? Well, the same applies to a lot of our day-to-day operations, as you know. And, you know, when we're kicking off a talk like the one you and I are about to have, you know, we really want to add value for those listening and for those watching. But sometimes I need a little crutch to lean on, and so I'll use this coin. So we'll flip it now. We'll see what it says, and we'll, it'll set the tone. You ready? Yeah, flip it, baby. All right. Here's what's up. Keep it playful. Playful. All right. So tell us how you got in sales and how it led you to Trey and what you're doing now, man. I want, I want everyone to hear. So uh, I'm, I think I'm at 25 or 26 years in sales. Uh, I started right out of college. 
Uh, I worked for UPS as a, I was a paid intern and then that evolved into an account executive individual contributor role. Uh, probably the first half of my career now has uh, been invested in being an individual contributor, carrying a bag. Uh, and then I kind of flipped the script and went into leading teams uh, and leading people. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So I started out leading uh, a team of SDRs. Uh, I then led a team of individual contributors, uh, but probably since 20. 11 now, pretty close to when you and I met, Rob, is when I started really tripling down on building and leading sales development teams specifically. So I worked for Inside View in San Francisco uh, in uh, 2011 to like 2013. I then went to Achievers. Uh, mm -hmm. at both of those companies, I built out and led their sales development teams, put teams in new offices nice. in different locations. Uh, I then went to ServiceNow, where I served for almost four years, scaled their team uh, from the 70s uh, to, you know, over 200 people yeah. worldwide. That it was, was a huge success. You never beat your drum enough. I'll just tell you, that was a massive success story, man. Well, it's a, 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 I, I didn't do it alone. I'll tell you that much. Uh, ServiceNow is a fabulous company, and I had a ton of stakeholders that were really helping us build up that organization. It was a, it was a wild ride and an awesome experience. And it's, you know, all the above have really informed me leaping to Trade.io. They're a mid to late stage company based in San Francisco. They also have an office in London. Uh, they literally are serving up, as you would on a tray, uh, an, a general automation platform that's helping businesses connect all the applications and integrate all the applications across the enterprise. And uh, I am doing what I've been doing. I'm, I've rolled up the sleeves and I'm building out the cornerstones and the framework and the processes to help that company scale and really prepare them for the tray of three to five years from now. So I'm having a ball. I'm, nice. I'm, I'm really having a good time. And uh, I'm, like I said, I'm stoked to be back on this podcast. Well, thanks for telling us about you and about Trey. And, and uh, I, I want to make sure at the end we give people opportunity to contact you and Trey because there's going to be a lot of people that will find what you're doing at Trey helpful and interesting, I think. Awesome. Yeah, we're solving some real problems, and you know, I'd be happy to help. Good. What I want to talk about today, I think, is something that's timely as we kick off the year, man. And you've led teams for a long time. I've led teams for a long time. This podcast is followed by people around the world that are either in leadership roles or people that aspire to be in leadership roles. I'm grateful to our listeners because they're really, really, you know, they talk to me all the, all the time what they want. One of the questions I've been getting from our listeners, Ralph, and I thought of you, okay, how do you help reps overcome challenges? How do you bust out of slumps? How do you, you know, how do you do that? How do you, how do you stay like I focus not just on the number, but that I'm lucky to be in an opportunity where I can, I can actually grow and develop. Uh, because sometimes I think we have people that want too much too fast. We're in a, what have you done for me today world, right? And so let's talk about that. You've been doing this a long time. And I, honestly, it's no, it's no bullshit when I say it, Ralph. You, you in my mind are one of the very best leaders ever. And, and I love your focus on being appreciative of the moment, right? Thank you. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that. My, uh, focus is really on leading by example, first and foremost. I mean, when it comes down to helping a specific rep or helping a colleague or a peer that I think is in a rough patch, uh, I, I first want to have that credibility and that rapport to earn the right to help them and to share what advice and insights I can share with them in the moment if they're receptive to it. And in order to earn that right, I have to have been delivering by example, you know, living through challenges, showing people how I've overcome challenges in my personal or professional life first. And uh, I have to also illustrate kind of staying in the sunlight. You know, it's really easy to stay in the darkness and get pulled down into the vortex or into the abyss whatever you want to call it. But I always uh, remind myself that life is a series of temporary events, that this too shall pass, that the past does not equal the future. So the things that have happened to me in the past don't necessarily define me as a person. Uh, starting right now at the snap of a finger, I can completely change the trajectory of my life if I want. I could just decide right now, you know what? I'm going to stop focusing inward 
and I'm going to stop with the inner monologue or inner dialogue, and I'm only going to face outward. I'm only going to focus on others and seeing if there's any way I can remove obstacles from the path that everyone is on. And if I can do that and shed light and kind of help them come to the surface figuratively, then uh, I think I'm doing what all humans need to be doing. You know, I am very grateful for a lot of the blessings I have in my life, but I also correlate gratitude to obligation and responsibility. And I feel like because I'm doing okay in a particular phase in my life that I am naturally obligated to help others succeed as well. So I want to dive in. You and me always do this. We started on a good spot. Now we're going to start digging down and go a little bit deep in here. Okay. Because you, you figured out how you like to do this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to share a little more about you to our listeners. You don't have the turnover challenge that a lot of people do. I'm sure like 34% of salespeople switched jobs last year in the United States. That, that's, that's a fact. Yep. Um, you have been able to create environments where your reps want to stick around longer than that. That that's awesome. I'm something you you've done that I that I I want to have people start to learn a little bit about how you do that, because none of those people always win. None of those people always do. Part of what we sign up for. You and me are both baseball guys, Ralph. Yep. And um and Ted Williams, greatest hitter of all times, last guy to hit 400. That means in sales he had a 40 percent win rate. Yep. It's actually pretty similar to what a great salesperson has. Yep, that's a lot of strikeouts, isn't <laughs> that's it? That's a lot of strikeouts, man. And yeah. so there's people that get into this game and they realize how resilient you've got to be in order to win. There's a lot that goes into making that happen. You know, Ted Williams had a whole approach. He, you know, his book, The Science of Hitting, I think we've talked about that together. He knew his strike zone and he knew where his happy zone was and he was focused on staying in that happy zone. Any thoughts around how a leader can help a salesperson be able to understand that, be okay with that, deal with that, because you're going to have, you know, as we take, that's why I wanted you earlier in the year, Ralph, is listen, the, the sooner they can help people start building their approach to the challenges that just come with this job, the more happy they will be. And the happier you are, the more successful you'll be. Man, we can go for days on this. Uh, yeah. Thanks for, for raising it. So uh, it comes down to a lot of different things. Number one, for the individual contributor, uh, it's really important to be self-aware. Uh, mm. Be self-aware of how you might be perceived in your organization by your peers, by your colleagues, by your leaders, by your other stakeholders, by your prospects and customers. Have some sense of how they see you. Uh, and the only way to really do that yeah. is to ask, do for that? Feed, ask for yeah. feedback. <laughs> hey, how am I doing? You know, you, you've been a customer of mine for two months or for a year you know, not, I, I, I'm not asking how our company has done in serving your business. How have I done in serving you? Uh, it is my job here. That's how I make money and it's how I win for the business to serve you and to make sure that your problems are solved in a timely fashion. Like, how am I on communicating? How am I on follow on and follow through? Uh, how am I on understanding all facets of your business. You know, what's going to make you look great? What systemic impact, positive or negative, our service or me individually is having on the business or on you? I mean, t you actually have to have those real conversations. And I'll pause. I'll let you respond because, yeah. again, I could just rap, man, for like no. 60 minutes on this. And my listeners want you to, by the way. My listeners are like, Rob, don't stop them, okay? Um but, but what I want to ask is, so is that something you hire for? Do you want to find people that are receptive to that conversation in the hiring process? Absolutely. Because I have to think that it's hard to make someone get receptive to it. It's much better to get people that that's kind of how they're wired. Yeah, I just think we, everybody included here, I think we can be a little more explicit in the recruiting process, specifically when you are looking at your job description. I mean, that's okay. your first indicator of the type of persona that you're trying to attract to your business. And if you look at a lot of today's uh, job descriptions, specifically in sales, you know, one common, uh, one common requirement that I always see is you have to be an exceptional communicator, an exceptional writer, speaker, listener, but it stops at that. It ah. should actually maybe do a sub point to that heading and say, what we mean by an excellent communicator is, not only are you writing, speaking, and listening like a boss, yeah. but you're also asking how good we're doing or how good you're doing. I, I have yet to see a job description that states that. My own job descriptions haven't stated that. 
But to the audience out there that might be considering, you know, how can we be better at recruiting? We're not attracting the A players or for the individuals out there who are looking for new gigs. When you come across that line, drill into that in the interview process. Hey, what, what is your vision of an exceptional communicator? Here's mine. Here's what mm. I think about it. And just kind of do your due diligence in, you know, creating that little two column spreadsheet on the left side, you're writing in all the requirements that and qualifications that are being listed in the job description. And in the right column, you're actually answering how you're going to meet or exceed those requirements or qualifications when they hire you. And when you bring something like that into an interview or into your conversations with a potential employer, they'll hire you in two seconds because you're just thinking critically and you're thinking way ahead of what most candidates are, are thinking about. Okay. So that's awesome. That is a nugget that I think we just helped everyone with. Add that to your profile of, of, of your persona of who you're trying to get. Um, I think I'm going to leave that at that because that's a really good starting point for this self-awareness. I want to shift now to as part of that feedback process, how important is it to not just be a spreadsheet leader? How important is it for you to like be, you know, kneecap to kneecap, eyeball to eyeball, not just like looking at the metrics of how many calls did you do, but actually watching them do the job or doing the job with them or being hands-on. I mean, where does that come into play? Yeah, great. That's a great question. I think it's really critical that leaders always zoom out and zoom in. Okay. Zooming in might be upfront early in the relationship. Hey, Rob, so excited to have you on the team. You were hired for a specific reason. We know there are unique strengths and gifts that you're bringing to the organization and to our team to lift all boats and make us better. Love it. We love everything about you to date. Uh, let's get into the weeds a little bit. Uh, I want to show you what a performance improvement plan looks like for reps in our organization that are not cutting it. I pray that we never have this conversation, that we never reach this juncture together, but I do want you to know that the, the PIP exists, and this is typically what a PIP entails. So these are the metrics at a very minimum or, 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 you know, this is what we expect on a regular basis from you and from our reps. So you've seen it. You've seen the ugliness. It's almost like a um, Charles Dickens Mm. Ebenezer Scrooge exercise where you see the, you know, the Christmas future of you blowing it in the role yeah. and you and I having the come to Jesus conversation where we have to administer the PIP. Uh, it's not fun. So, okay, now that we've seen it, let's now reverse engineer back to present and let's fix that, uh, you know, f nip it in the bud. And when I talk about zooming out, it's about self-assessment. It's about what are your short, mid, long-term goals, Rob? You know, who is it that you're trying to emulate in our beloved profession and industry or otherwise? You know, what skill sets or competencies do you think, knowing yourself as well as you do, that you need some help with and want to improve while you're on our team? And how can I help? Or yeah. how can people within the organization help? Do you have a mentor you're working with? Do you need help kind of brokering introductions to people that might shed some light in those areas? That's how you keep people looking north, understanding where the North Star is and what the mission of the organization is and what their own personal mission is in helping us all collectively get there. All right, so I like that a lot. So I, I have to ask a question about it. Um, so I, I want to dive into this some more. Is positioning um, the PIP as a thing you never want to have, does that shed a negative light on coaching in your organization or is coaching and, and PIPs two different things? I want to make sure we talk about that because we have a lot of people that might say, Oh, wait a minute. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Cause I think they're two oh, different yeah, things, but I want to, I want to delineate that because you and I have both had this conversation. Some orgs save coaching or improvement planning for people that are not cutting it. Mm. I know that you are different than that. So I want to give you a chance to talk a little more about that because I don't think that we're just saving improvement planning for when you fail. Right. Amen. Uh, it's boy, what a good question. I think they're actually, um, it's pretty related to coaching and I, I don't always, not always do I feel that the PIP, uh, is solely on the rep. Okay. I, I do think in uh, some cases, I can't give you a percentage or anything because I haven't looked at any data on this, uh, that 
it's a two way street, man. I mean, you getting on our team and me leading the team uh, requires duty and responsibility from both of us. I am supposed to present to you a well-lit career path. Yep. I'm supposed to present to you a well-lit path to what great looks like. Yep. Uh, for example, at Trey, and we did this at ServiceNow as well, we publish a standards of excellence document that we actually grade all of our sales development reps on. And the, the standards of excellence document that we work from at Trey focuses on four areas. They all start with the letter P. It's performance, it's process, it's proficiency, and it's professionalism. So that along the way, every month, we are actually rating as leaders how we feel the SDRs are doing in those areas. And each P, by the way, Rob, has awesome. two, to, two to three components to it. So we're, we're grading on a monthly basis from our perception or from our perspective, rather, what, what we're seeing in terms of those four categories. But then once a quarter, we want the SDRs assessing themselves on those. That way, when we come to a time where maybe a promotion is, is in, in, within the sites or not, we have been coaching them along the way in these Love four it. areas. And it's very explicit. Rated five if you are just superb, if you are a, an expert sought out by your peers within your organization, or a one where it's like you just have no clue what's going on. By the time we have the come to Jesus conversation, we've no surprises, been, no, no surprises. Yeah. Dude, we've been very specific and very explicit as to the areas you need to improve on. Love it. Those four things are fantastic. That's a, that's a good one for our listeners. Performance, process, proficiency, and professionalism. And oh, I can, yeah. I can see how you can score those and take the, you know, sub subjectiveness out of every one of those and they're completely yeah. objective and no one can argue with it, right? Yeah. And you can quantify it as well. Yeah, so yeah. over time, you know, you've left, we talk about this a lot. We, we, we leave behind that trail of breadcrumbs, but you could see where course corrections took yeah. place throughout the year when you're looking back at, at your standards of excellence ratings. So I want to talk about, about one thing that I get asked a lot while I've got you on here. And this, I, I think, absolutely comes into overcoming challenges. But probably you, you, you're, I'll be interested in what you take on this. One of the, what I call the deadly sins of coaching, I see it happen all the time, is when you become a crutch instead of a coach. Mm. And opportunity management right now, in my opinion, I see it all, I, I, top, common friends to both of us, we talk about opportunity management has become extremely hot right now. Okay. Mm. And it's because forecast accuracy is down. The pressure to hit is high. Uh, it, it's, if you can get your win rate to go up even just a few points, it's arguably the, the most cost-effective way to increase sales. For my listeners and my other leaders, you know, how do you help people on opportunity management without just taking over? Does, does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Well, we have to first be singing from the same hymn book, right? And that can't happen unless the organization is working from a methodology. You know, okay. it could be challenger selling. It could be value selling. You name it. I mean, we have to have some framework that we're all working from. Otherwise, everybody's kind of meandering, doing their own thing with the skill sets and competencies they brought from other organizations and they're thinking that, you know, this is the, the path for, forward for the organization or for themselves individually or for the leader when it's not at all. Yes. So until those leaders publish, hey, guys, this is how we do things here at this company. Uh, this is what we're going to be tracking on a monthly or quarterly basis in terms of opportunity forecasting. Uh, you know, have we identified pain? Uh, are we at power? Uh, are we following up with plan letters to share with them what a timeline is going to look like if we want to win the business by this date? Have we shared that with them and asked them what we've missed? You know, a lot of that stuff, if that's not happening, that you're in grave trouble. Mm. So I like this. We have a good friend, a mutual friend of both of us is John Barrows. He was just on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And we talked about that. And he, he, he said, you know, Rob, I think that when leaders get in these situations, he's like, quite often they really don't know how to coach because they were just promoted from being a rep. Yep. And they, they gravitate to what they're good at and they know how to close. And so yep. they jump right in there and say, Hey, I'll, I'll get this one done for you. 
This is how I did it. Yes, I'll get it done for you. Yep. What I like about what you just said, and I want to pause on this for a second. I want to explore this a little bit, Ralph. And again, for listeners, you know, if you know, you'll be seeing these nuggets on the video. You'll see Ralph taking notes because he has no <laughs> idea where we're going. This is unplugged. This is this is no prep time. This is totally just... <laughs> what I'm doing. Hey, pause for a moment because you talked about our friend John Barrows. Yes, yes. So one thing I love about John that he has reinforced over the years is. He has a passion for uh, uh, NLP. Is it neuro-linguistic programming? I think that's what it is. Yes. And basically, it's his understanding that we all learn differently. We that's all right. learn differently. So in terms of the former A player rep who's now the leader, you know, expecting everybody to do it the way he or she did it, it's just so off kilter when you don't understand that people learn differently. So John is a great proponent of he'll print out his material he will then show it on a slide. He'll then uh, purposely inflect his voice to be really loud about certain things or really quiet, like calm and in control about others because he understands that we all have different antennas up and we're all receiving different signals of the message. And when you're mindful of that as a leader uh, and you're not you know, thinking about yourself, as we talked about earlier, and your ego is not in the way, you are hopefully empowering your reps uh, you know, to use their strengths and how they learn and receive information to move the ball down the court. And when you are in tune to how they learn individually and you really are in touch and intimate with your team in terms of their methodologies and their cadence and their attitudes, man, you'll kill it. You'll kill it. And you'll, you'll also uh, adopt the love uh, from everybody on your team because they know that you really care about them. So that's well said, and I'm really glad that you pushed pause on that because I think you're right. Being intentional to show that you are trying to meet them where they are rather than have them get on your boat, that goes a long way. And this goes to where I was going to go with this. So I've made this mistake dozens of times. I find myself still making this mistake all the time, Ralph. And it was one of my good, another good friend of both of ours, uh, Doug Landis, who mm. taught me this. Landis is in my office with a lot of frequency. And he, he does a lot of things to help me. I asked him to listen to me work a couple of deals. I wanted that feedback from him. And he yep. sat there and didn't say a word and took notes. And when it was done, he's like, where do you want me to start? And, <laughs> and it was awesome. And How'd you do? How'd you do? Really well. But there was a couple of things. He said, you got to fix this now. And it was, it was fantastic. And I was super appreciative for it. And um, it was the kind of thing where he could have, like, put notes in front of me to try and win the deal or whatever. And, and I've seen myself like go to my, one of my reps and say, Hey, let me just get this deal done for you. Uh, let me, I'm going to be on site. I'm going to do this. Let me just go get this contract signed for you and I'll bring it back. It's your commission. It's whatever. Let me just get it done. I have found that that does not help people overcome adversity. Going and getting deals done for people does not help them. What Doug Landis did for me helped me get better. What I have done for my people, just going and getting done deals done. I have found it does not help him. It actually reinforced I couldn't do it. I needed Rob to do it. Dude, this is a this is a this is a killer topic. So one thing on Doug, you know, just like I talked about John, what I love about Doug is Doug's passion about storytelling. Yes. Having a beginning, a middle, and an end, understanding the undulations. That's what know? I have to get better at, by the way. He yeah. told me, he goes, he goes, you don't have a good middle of the story. He goes, you have a really good once upon a time, and Rob, you got a really good happily ever after, but yep. you lost me in the middle. That's what he told me. <laughs> yeah, you need good and evil in the story sometimes, yes. and you have to include those. So another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, – you know what this means? You know how you want to parachute in, you want to intervene, you want to go, hey, look, let me, yes. let me take this across the line. Yes. So tough to do. Sometimes you got to like let them fail. And it, okay. it's maybe detrimental to the business. It might be a little pitfall that you hit. But man, I, I think it's going to pay in spades in the future if you do a proper postmortem mm -hmm. and a proper debrief with that rep to say, why do you think it failed? Why do you think it slipped? And you will, I guarantee you're going to hear them list so many different excuses of which they will not be one of. And when you call yes. the attention to the fact that, hey, well, what about, what about you? Let's talk about you. It's going to hopefully, it's going to blast them with realization that they have got to fix their game. And it's about being candid, but it's about being candid with that positive intent you're talking about. You and I have also talked about this. You've got to put a 10 on everybody's forehead and let them, let them bring that 10 to a two, but let them get in their own way in order to 
have that breakthrough. I like it. So any other, so that's, that's, I think a big deal. I think we got a lot, especially when you're earlier in your leadership career, but that's BS for me to say, because I still do it. I've been leading teams. Like my, I had a team with a thousand people on it and I still find myself wanting to parachute in because I love working deals. I love it. And <laughs> I, I freaking love it, dude. And, and you know, I feel like I can add value. And so I like what you just shared. Any other kind of thoughts to leaders as you're thinking about how you're going to help your reps? One of the things that the reps like us to do is help them with deals. Opportunity management's big. Pressure to win is big. How do you blend that idea of coaching rather than being a crutch? Any final thoughts on that? Um, I think focusing on one area at a time uh, when you're coaching. Uh, today, we're only going to talk about your uh, wow. your conversation flow or lack thereof in the in the calls that I've heard and been able to analyze whether it's knee to knee with you in the cube or in a power hour with the team or listening to a recording. I only want to focus on, you know, how you establish conversation flow moving forward. And then when you check the box on that, you move to the, the how they frame up an email. You know, are they writing dissertations to our prospects or are they concise, clear, including a question mark, you know, having a call to action, uh, are they not spewing all this information about Trey, for example? Uh, instead, are they spewing information about industry trends and insights that they've learned from about that person or about that person's role or company? You know, that kind of stuff. But it, it can't happen all at once, Rob. You got to do a one area at a time and even map it out for them going over the next four weeks. We're talking about calls in week one, emails in week two, so on and so forth. That's and, awesome. and that's how you get the comprehensive a fix. So if you're going to help people through a slump and you're going to help people do hard, challenging things, you just said something. I'm going to put it in a different wrapper and, and tell me if I got it wrong. Okay. Cause you and me are both unplugging it right now, man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you just talked about process, but in a non-sterile way, what you're talking about is there are very specific call it experiences we need to create for customers and um, not just things you got to do, but experiences, because experiences means you created a participant rather than a spectator, right? Mm, nice. And um, and so as I listen to you say, this month is this, this month is this, this month is this, you want to be good at helping people get through challenging times, be able to break it down into digestible parts rather than just say, make more calls. Um, I think that too many leaders follow that, what I call A yields R, activities yield results. Mm -hmm. And if results go up by 15%, then that means activities have to go up by 15%. My personal belief is we have to create purpose to those activities, not just more activities. Am I summarizing that in a way that is, is right? Big, big time, man. And I would even add, start thinking about what the experience of the prospect is. Okay. When you start thinking about your potential customer and what they're hearing and seeing on their end, you're, you're going to start cooking because you're going to focus on delighting them from the outset. You know, uh, I, I've mentioned this before. Once in a while, I'll stay in a super nice hotel. I'll stay in a Four Seasons, for example. Yeah. And uh, one time I stayed at the Four Seasons, I was in line waiting to check in. There were two people in front of me. What did they do? Oh, Mr. Barcy, thank you so much for your patience. Hey, can we get you a glass of champagne while you're waiting? It's going to be a minute. Absolutely, you can give me a glass of champagne. <laughs> I mean, but, but when you can set the tone like that figuratively in the work that we do, uh, you're, you're going to win. You're going to win every time, whether you're fo you know, following up on an inbound lead. Hey, Rob, so I got an inbound lead that came across the wire today. It is my job in the organization to make sure that your answers are addressed. And if I can't answer them, I, it's my job also to point you into the right direction and get you to the right people. Just tell me, you know, what prompted the visit today anyway? Or why did you search for us in the first place? Help me better understand just so I can tailor this experience for you. I mean, just straight up tell them that instead of bombarding them with your qualification questions. Give them the rationale as to why you're asking in the first place and help them connect the dots to see where you're leading them. I love it. Okay, so we're this is fantastic, and I'm tempted to stay in this because I think it's so important, but I'm also looking at time, and I know that we're going to run low. And so I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out the way I want to finish this one up because I think this element of helping people create experiences that are predictable is a way better approach. Let me finish it with this. 
what's the, so if we're going to be really good at saying these are the set of experiences and you just gave a really good blueprint, I love it. What's the importance on if we're going to be really good at helping them identify them, where does it fall in our role in helping them acknowledge when they've done it and celebrating with it? Does that make sense as well? Where does it fall in our role to help them identify it? When they've done it. So we just said, you got to do this experience better and we're going to help you do it. At what point do we, we, you know, say, Hey, you, you're doing it. We identify greatness. We identify you're winning, not because you got the deal done. Let me show you why the experience is showing is creating like this. You're getting, you, you're winning. I mean, does the leader I'm have a, a responsibility? It's more than just celebration. Celebration is easy to talk about. But does that make sense? I did, totally. It sounds, I know it's a hard question, but, and I know we're unplugged, but I feel like we have to also identify the baby step improvements as they're doing them so they stay on that path that you've identified, right? Well, you mentioned it at the beginning of our talk, and that is that there seems to be a lot of haste in how people live their lives these days. Mm. And I think a lot of that, you know, could be driven by the fact that we're hit by a deluge of information on a minute by minute basis with just within this last 40 minutes of talking to you, my Slack channel is blowing up on my laptop right now. My, <laughs> Sorry, brother. No, no, no. It's all good. <laughs> my phone is buzzing. Uh, you know, it's bananas right now and I am not kidding. Now I could completely detach and be focusing on that, but I have to stay present. And you talked about the haste and it just, it reminds me to reinforce the importance of playing the long game but keeping your world small. So we have to understand specifically, let's talk about sales development reps because they're near and dear to my heart. Yep. The average tenure of a sales development rep is probably 18 months. Let's yeah. say 15 months for the excited ones out there. Okay. That is a very finite amount of time for us leaders to develop their skills and competencies along with them, to show them that path I talked about, to remove those obstacles I talked about. And it's not a lot of time for them to get sharp in their game, to prepare themselves for the next role or the next two roles past the SDR role. So they have to understand that it requires keeping your world small. And what I mean by that is operating in 10 minute to 60 minute chunks. So wow. no, we don't have a lot of time, Rob, you yeah. and I on this podcast, but dude, do you know how much we can accomplish if we just look at this? Let's take this next minute and optimize it for our audience. Then we'll it. take the following minute. If we focus in bite-sized chunks like that, and then we look back at the milestones we've hit along the way, you're going to see that, you know, the ship's path that was going this way, the second we turn it two degrees over time, you're on a completely different course. Mm. I like it. So this goes back to something that you, I think of with you, the well-lit path to success. The better you can light that path, the easier it's going to be to keep them on the path, Right. Absolutely. But there are some disclaimers that you have to put in place. Right. One is, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Okay. True. Okay. The other one is, you know, you see the road to success. It starts in the bottom left corner and it goes up and to the right, but yes. there's a whole bunch of squiggly, scrambly mess in between. Cause that's reality, man. Or sometimes yeah. you'll see, you know, the image of somebody riding their bike up the hill and then there's an alligator in, a, in a, a swamp and then there's a helicopter bombing the hillside. Crazy stuff happens in life. It is life. But to be able to know that ahead of time, anticipate some of the craziness that's ahead will allow you to adapt to the change when it occurs instead of freaking out about it. You have mm -hmm. actually planned, you have contingency plans in place for your attitude for how you're going to handle those situations when they surface. So let's flip to this attitude of gratitude. We got about, I don't know, we got a few more minutes here. Yeah. I want to flip to that. I want to, I think I wanted to save this for the end because I, I think it's going to be inspiring for our leaders and our reps. Awesome. I, I want to leave on a really good feel here. Uh, we're, 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 I want this to be something that they leave because right now, as they listen to you, Ralph, they're stuck in traffic and they're pissed off or they're on the treadmill working out stress or they're walking <laughs> the dog thinking about something that happened, right? You with me? Oh so, man, big time. Yeah. So, so let's talk about A, the attitude of gratitude, why it's important for a leader. B, should they try to help their reps develop that? And how does that help with overcoming Big goals. I mean, listen, as salespeople, we are responsible for doing hard things. Yep. I believe we have hard jobs, and yep. it means we need resilient people that are in for the long haul and are grateful for the challenge, right? Stop right there. 
I mean, yeah, dude, it's tough to sell. Uh, we sign up for the tough work uh, because we know we are of the character that can handle it. Yep. But let's just compare and contrast selling software to being a first responder or to being yeah. someone representing our troops on the front line in a foreign country. Amen. Or someone running into the fire to save people while everybody's trying to get out. I mean, when I compare what we're doing to what they're doing, dude, we've got this. We can handle this. I mean, Love really. It. Put things Preach. in perspective, man. Uh, it's also a matter of, you know, when you walk in the office as an individual contributor or as a leader, you are a leader, whether you like it or not. It's just a matter of how you like to lead. So when I walk into my office, I'm usually there way before the team. But when the team starts to arrive, I'm like arms out, like, what's up? Let's do this. Shed light. Don't yeah. suck the life out of everybody's life. You yeah. shouldn't be one more problem that they have to deal with in their already mm. tough gig. Ooh. Uh, and then that comes down to, I'm grateful for the most minute things. I wake up in the morning and I'm awake, I can breathe. I'm not in pain. I can wiggle my fingers. Everything's fine. I'm drinking from a fresh glass of water right now when there are communities on this planet that don't have fresh water. So I look at the, the, the most minor stuff and I just am grateful for it. I'm grateful. It, it's an opportunity to serve today. I have an opportunity to encourage others. It reminds me of that great Zen proverb where the student goes to the master, master, I am discouraged, what should I do? And the master says, encourage others. And if you look at the root of the word encourage, it means to give, to give courage to others, to inspire, to motivate. And you do that by what we talked about earlier, and that is leading by example, understanding that life is filled with temporary events, smiling a little more often, and just putting things in perspective, like we talked about, like where you are in the world versus where people who are way worse off are. And when you just are present to that and constantly thinking about it, dude, life is fabulous. All right. So I would, I should just end this whole conversation on that, Ralph. I should just end because it's so good. Okay? Let's end it. No. How <laughs> does a sales leader help their reps learn that? Should a sales leader help them do that? Yeah, they could. I mean, the, the thing about the sales leader is, you know, when it really comes down to it, hey, dude, we're running a business. You know, we have quarterly earnings to probably report. We've got a number to hit. We have investors to please. We have a board of directors that we're reporting up to. I mean, business is business and we have to get to work. That's why that keep it playful or keep it real approach yes. really yes. helps. Sometimes you're going to have to flip that coin. And when it says keep it real, like we're not really laughing and yucking it up too much because we've got work to do. So it's a matter of, you know, stop procrastinating. If you want to be better and on a, on a more motivated track, then how about shutting your laptop and picking up the phone? Pick up the phone and start calling people, your top 10 target accounts, for example. Uh, if you get voicemail, zero out and talk to people. Like, actually do the work. Let the rubber meet the yeah. road. Uh, it's that kind of stuff that, that as leaders, we have to do ourselves sometimes where the reps are like, uh-oh. You know, Rob's all business today. He's keeping it real. He's actually, he's picking up the phone, calling people. I better rock and roll. All right, my man. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about self-awareness. We've talked about zooming out and zooming in. We've talked about, like, understanding how to create experiences. And I loved your standard of excellence. We, we've talked about you know, so many awesome things. And I wanted to finish with this attitude of gratitude and, and keeping it real and playful. I think it's such a great way to go. Is there any one final thought that you would give our leaders on as you embark on 2020, mm. any one thing that you would say, here's, you know, a final piece of advice on helping your team overcome challenges and be grateful to be in the boat with you. Yeah. Start by thanking them. Whether it's in a team meeting individually or otherwise, Hey Rob, thank you so much for being on our team. Thanks for doing all the work that you do. I understand a lot of the obstacles that get in your way. And I'm, I'm amazed at how you overcome what I've seen you overcome. I'm proud to have you representing us. And I'm looking forward to the quarter or the year ahead. And, and I'm here for you. I'm, I'm by your side. And if you need me through some of these tough times, I don't want you to keep it close to the vest. It's why I'm here. I don't see myself at the top of this org chart. I'm at the bottom and I serve upward and into this organization. And my job is to help shed light on some areas you might not even be thinking about. So leverage me, use me where you need, but if I need to intervene, I will. 
and I'll, I'll lead with love and I'll come from a source of positive intent and wanting you to get from X to Y. That's how you it. do it. I love it. You know, I'm not going to take you through the rapid fire. You've already told us what your favorite, what the biggest uh, leadership challenge is. If you don't remember what it is, go listen to Ralph's first episode. <laughs> if you want to know what Ralph's favorite interview question is, go listen to the first episode. If you want to know his books, go listen to the first episode. This episode is to help you create a different culture and a different environment. And I think most important, Ralph, a different relationship with the people you're privileged to have on your team, right? And uh, I want to thank you, my friend. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for being a friend of the show. Thanks for joining us. How do they get more about you? How do they connect to you? How do they keep the conversation going? How do they learn more about Trey? How, how does that happen? Right on. Trey is Trey.io. Go take a look at that website and ping me. If you have questions, we'll get you the answers. Uh, number two, to find out about me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's R-A-L-P-H-B-A-R-S-I. I also have RalphFarsi.com. And if you do ralphbarcy.com forward slash show your work, you're going to see all the stuff that I've uh, done in the industry, all the things that I'm learning. I'm doing my very best to then share it with you. So uh, it's not the Ralph show. It's your show. And I want to make sure that you're learning what I'm learning along this path. So and, that's how you can find me, man. And I'll say you're genuine. You say that to our listeners, take them up on it. I, I, I follow your blog. I, I look at your stuff. I get your weekly or some you know, whatever emails that come out and it helps me. Thank Ralph you. is genuine in his abundant mentality. And I would say this is a guy to follow. This is a guy to learn from. And this is a guy that will help all of us have a little bit better uh, pathway on our journeys for success. And Ralph, I want to thank you. And as always, my friend, happy selling. Thanks, my man. Love you. Talk to you later. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And I first want to thank our friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and for helping us showcase great leaders like Ralph Barcy and, and really help us dive into building a team grounded on this foundation of standards of excellence. Because that's exactly what outreach is all about, creating new standards of excellence by creating sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and they know how to help you scale. Now, I hope you enjoyed having Ralph on our show as much as I enjoyed reconnecting with him. He's one of the best sales leaders I know, and he's an even better human being. Seriously, every time you get a chance to be around Ralph, you leave feeling better off for having the interaction with him. And that might be the best compliment you can give someone. When I asked Ralph to join me on this uh, round two episode with us, I wanted to talk about overcoming challenges and developing a sincere attitude of gratitude. We got a tough year coming up in a lot of different ways. Everyone's got bigger numbers to hit. Sales has had some pretty interesting turnover and challenges associated with it. And I still think it's the greatest profession in the world. And I thought Ralph would be the very best person that could come and talk about as a leader. How do we help our reps be equipped so they can handle that the right way? And so he made a really interesting uh, statement early on in the conversation where he said, life is a series of temporary events, past and future. And, and today, I'm a little somber after yesterday's announcement of Kobe Bryant's sudden passing. Um, I'm a huge sports fan, and, and uh, that kind of caught me and a lot of other people off guard and, and really reminded me just how temporary a lot of things can be. Um, and so I liked one of the things Ralph said. He said, as long as he can breathe, as long as he can wiggle his fingers, there's reason for him to be grateful. And so I hope each of you can adopt this mentality that Ralph has. Instead of saying, why me, when something happens or when a challenge hits, try this. Instead of saying, why me, say, try me. And I think if Kobe had been a sales leader, he'd have brought a try me mentality or a mentality similar to the one that Ralph shared. It begins with standards of excellence. Now, I love how he talked about that and articulated the importance of standards of excellence. And then he talked about the, ne the need to zoom out so you can zoom back in. And you need to have both perspectives in order to be perceptive in the moment. So win or lose, you can be grateful for and appreciate the opportunity to compete for the business and represent the company you work with. In this conversation that we had, I wrote down several pages of notes in my conversation with Ralph. But really only two words stand out, not only two, two stand out to me more than anything else as I really go back and look at it. The words are self-aware. How self-aware are you as a leader? How are you doing? Are you a leader worth following? 
What is your team reflecting? Because it's an absolute indicator of what you're resonating. I've said it a million times. People are the world's greatest reflectors. If you like what's happening, look in the mirror. If you don't like what's happening, also look in the mirror. Um, I believe that what your team is reflecting is an absolute indicator of what you resonate. And, and our job, Ralph said that many times. He said it on the first time with me. He said it again on this one. We got to create well-lit pathways for the success of each individual on our team. Now, here's what's interesting. To have this kind of individualization, we have to have structure. Now, that may seem strange to you. One of the important observations to me as I kind of dissected my notes on my conversation with Ralph is that your ability to be, as Ralph says, uh, perceptive in the moment, I'm putting quotes around that, perceptive in the moment, and, and, and then to use that to create meaningful one-on-one -on -one interactions that matter to your reps, they're fueled by the structure you have. If you remember Ralph's structure, his, his, his stuff is built around performance, process, proficiency, and professionalism. He's not winging it, ever. He uses structure to stay grounded and, and, and be in the moment to have a different kind of perception. And, and this structure is what allows him to tailor feedback, coaching, and improvement strategies with each individual. So if there's one thing you want to take from this, don't wing it. You don't want your reps winging it on sales calls. You shouldn't wing it on one-on-one -on -one opportunities with each rep. And if you're winging it, you are not going to be able to give the kind of experience to your reps that they deserve as a member of your team. Finally, make sure each rep knows that you have their best interests in mind. Be grateful for each member of your team. Don't begrudge each member of your team. Be grateful for them, regardless of where they are and what their skills are. Be grateful for the opportunity to help develop them and lead them and have them work closely with you. Um, be the kind of leader that makes them excited to come to work. And, and don't be, I'm going to quote Ralph one more time, just one more problem they got to deal with because most of the time that's what they are. I want to just thank Ralph for joining our show. I appreciate you so much, Ralph. Thank you. Ralph is a person every one of you should follow, connect with, reach out to. If you aren't following him now, fix that problem right now. He gave you great instructions how to do it. I also appreciate our friends at Outreach, the leading sales engagement platform. Supercharge your revenue building efforts and check out Outreach today. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. Please, please, please keep reaching out to me with questions you'd like addressed on the show. Please providing those great reviews. And most of all, please keep listening to us as we bring you the most successful sales leaders in the world. So, thanks for joining us. And as always, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exployant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.